Welcome to the Proceedings Podcast. I'm Ward Carroll, the Naval Institute's Director of Outreach. Joining me is, we're back to my regular co-host instead of my irregular co-host, Captain Bill Hamlet, USN Retired, the Editor-in-Chief of Proceedings Magazine. Bill, how are you? Ward, doing great. So where were you for the last couple of weeks that, that we had Billy B on the show instead of you? Uh, let's see. One of those weeks, I think I was up in Newport for the International Sea Power Symposium. Uh, so what was that all about? That was a good time, huh? That was, that was a great time. That was uh, the CNO every other year invites um, all of his counterparts from around the world, uh, and I think dozens of them, probably 30 or 40 at least, uh, foreign Navy chiefs were there, including the head of the Indian Navy, the Royal Navy, the Royal Australian Navy, the Canadian Navy. I mean, you name it. There were, I, I can't name all of them because there were too many. Um, but it was it was really impressive, and I got to meet face to face with a number of them who wrote for the March issue of Proceedings, the Commanders Respond section of the International Navy's issue. Uh, so that was very cool. Secretary Mattis spoke uh, one of the days at the the symposium. Uh, he quoted from two recent Proceedings articles, which was very cool. That's very cool. And uh, yeah, it was a really, it was just a, it was a great event. I was um, very happy to have been invited. Uh, Admiral Hurley, uh, Harley, the, um, the the president of the War College, invited me, and Admiral Richardson allowed me to be there. You know, there's not too many outside observers at that. They don't allow press in, so I was there uh, to observe. And yeah, it was really, it was it was a great opportunity. I also saw some old shipmates who are now, uh, you know admirals which is scary we're getting old um but uh it was a good event um i also wanted to highlight a couple things that um you know have happened here and will be happening uh we we've talked quite a bit about uh the naval institute's conference program which i think is a, a huge strength of the organization and last week here at the naval academy the annual naval history uh symposium or conference uh sponsored by the william h wood foundation uh, it was um, on uh, 10 October at the Naval Academy's Alumni Hall. We had an amazing group of speakers and panelists uh, talking about China, about China's rise, about whether or not the U.S. and China are destined for war. Uh, so we had Graham Allison, who wrote, um, you know, the, the Thucydides trap, uh, destined for war, uh, or the U.S. and China destined for war. Uh, we had uh, Admiral Swift, who wrote for Proceedings a couple times this year, and is the recently retired Pacific Fleet Commander. We had Admiral Willard, the former PACOM Commander and PAC Fleet Commander. Uh, we had Kevin Rudd kicking it off uh, in the morning, the uh, former Prime Minister and Foreign Minister of Australia. Uh, and we're going to publish his, or at least an extract of his speech that he gave last week in the December issue of Proceedings. So we're very excited about that. So. Um, there's a couple of events coming up. Uh, well, but also okay. let's yes. let's tell you audience that if you sure. if you missed it, um, you can see all of those panels at the Naval Institute's YouTube page. That's right. Um, so all, all so of those videos are yep. That whole uh, conference is uh, is posted online, so that's uh, exciting too. Uh, coming up on Monday, 22 October, uh, at CSIS, the Center for Strategic and International Studies, at 4 o'clock on Monday afternoon uh, in D.C., Rhode Island Avenue, uh, will be the award ceremony for uh, the CNO Naval History Essay Contest. Uh, so we've already published the winners of both the professional and rising categories in proceedings in naval history. We've got 
uh, other uh, second prize, third prize coming up in uh, future issues of Proceedings in Naval History. Uh, Admiral Richardson will be there to present the awards. Uh, and uh, we've got Ian Toll, who is a noted historian and author, uh, talking about war in the Pacific. Uh, so he's going to kick it off, and then Admiral Richardson will present the awards, and then there'll be a, uh, uh, a you know big uh, reception, free food and drink. So that's one of those uh, great Naval Institute deals. You know, show, show up at CSIS, <laughs> uh, you know, learn Can't some, meet, meet some great people, learn some things, hear from uh, experts, listen to the CNO for a few minutes, uh, and and then have, uh, you know, drink some refreshment uh, on us. So it should be a great event. So again, that's at CSIS on Monday afternoon. Starts at sixteen hundred um, in DC on Rhode Island Avenue. So please come on by and. Uh, and uh, check out the program and say hello to us. Always a good time. Any other current events or anything? No, I think we should get to our guest. Okay, well, let's do it. Uh, so our guest this week um, has ventured very far uh, from down on the second deck, uh, two, two <laughs> floors below us here in Beach right. Hall. Uh, I, I think the most pr- prolific proceedings author of all time. Uh, I, I did a search uh, before we brought uh, Lieutenant Commander Tom Cutler, U.S. Navy retired, who is the uh, chair, the, the Honorable Gordon England Chair of Professional Naval Literature here at the Naval Institute. He's down in the press, uh, turns out books, turns out articles, writes the Blue Jackets Manual, the Parent's Guide, uh, and also writes for Proceedings and Naval History on a regular basis and has since, uh, what, 1970, Tom? Uh, 1980. 1980. Okay. All right. It's not uh, that old. Not. All right. Sorry. <laughs> well, I I did a right. sur- I did an article search uh, in our archives to see when the first uh, pre- and the archives came up with well, something from 1970. Actually, so. I did have some. There you go. Occasional okay. pieces back then. Got yeah. it. Got it. Got That's it. Right. Right. All right. Well, well, Tom, thanks for joining us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. So, Tom, let's go way back. Talk about um, your Navy experience. When did you first join? Um, and uh, talk about some of the stuff you did uh, as a brown water sailor. Well, I enlisted in the Navy when I was 17, uh, still in high school, went on a delayed entry program and that sort of thing. And shortly after that, I uh, um, discovered my, my mother was a secretary and, and uh, her boss was a captain in the Naval Reserve. And uh, he brought in a huge stack of proceedings magazines and gave them... Uh, to me, and I still have those original magazines, but that was the thing that turned me on to the Naval Institute, and I immediately joined and uh, have been a member ever since. So it goes back a good way. This is, We're talking 1965 or something. So, so you joined, and uh, what was it that you did? Remind our audience what you did when you were on active duty? Well, I, I eventually, uh, I was a second-class gunner's mate, uh, and then went off to OCS and, and uh, got a commission there and then served uh, on an uh, aircraft carrier, uh, the Independence, and then went from there, volunteered for Vietnam, went into the uh, brown water realm in Vietnam for uh, a year and uh, came back and actually had about 12 years of straight sea duty before I finally came ashore and went to the Naval Academy to teach there and uh, also strengthened my ties to the Naval Institute since they were right across the street and uh, have been uh, doing things with the Naval Institute ever since. So when did you join the Institute exactly? 
Well, I, I became a staff member in 1997, January of 97, and have been been here ever since. So Okay. So right before we made the move up here to Beach Hall, or a couple of years before? Yeah. Uh, what was your first job on the, on the staff here? <laughs> I was the associate uh, director of membership, and I was terrible at it. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I just you know I certainly tried it's a hard, tough gig. but, but it, How do yeah, I know it is, this? yeah, exactly. And uh, so fortunately, the uh, book department was able to give me a shot, and I went uh, went in there and been there ever since. So that, that was a better fit for me than membership. And, okay, uh, I mean membership's great, um, but the problem is you're you're really selling something. And even though I believed deeply in the in the product, it was just I, I don't think I could sell you know water in the desert, as they say. So. <laughs> that's, that's the way it went. So you uh, you taught history here on active duty uh, at the Naval Academy, mm-hmm. and then you retired from that job and, and came right into uh, the Naval Institute staff? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I was uh, very fortunate to be here at the Academy, taught in the, started out in professional development where I was teaching navigation and seamanship and those kinds of things, which I love doing. But then when I wrote my first book, the... Uh, the history department invited me to come over and, and teach. So for one semester, I was actually teaching on in both departments, running back and forth across the yard and staying fit that way, I guess. But uh, So which book was that? Uh, Brownwater Black Berets. It was about the Brownwater Navy in Vietnam. So when for those who have not read the book, um, basically, should they think of like Apocalypse Now kind of uh, <laughs> uh, brown? When you say Brownwater, was that sort of what you were doing? Yeah, I mean, it's it, it's really not a memoir. It's not about me. I, I chose to, to tell what others had done, the, the kind of the history of the Brownwater Navy, starting with the early days as advisors, going through the active years when we were on the, on the waters uh, actually fighting in, uh, active combat and that sort of thing, and then coming back to the advisory role ultimately uh, uh, to finish it up so that the book covers that entire spectrum. So when you think about Vietnam, what, what are some of the, the things that come to your mind uh, uh, first and foremost? Oh, God, that's an easy... I, I don't know. Every time I hear a helicopter, I think of Vietnam. Right. <laughs> but, uh, uh, gosh, I don't know. I, I, I did spend a lot of time in helicopters, which uh, in, in my next life I want to be a helicopter pilot. I think that was good stuff. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but I did a lot of... Uh, I spent a lot of time with the Vietnamese Navy. I did... Uh, I was there late in the war, and we did, did a lot of advisory stuff, and we were just kind of uh, standing down on the active participation. Uh, when I first got there, we were still doing some night patrols and that sort of thing, but we gradually started turning everything over to the Vietnamese. And, and uh, when, I fr- when I first got to Vietnam, I was it was frankly boring. There was nothing going on. It was quiet as it could be and so forth. And then the What year was that? This was 1972. Was okay. And then the Easter Offensive. Because it was winding down? Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess. I mean, there just wasn't much happening, and—, and uh, and then all of a sudden the Easter Offensive broke loose, and that was the second only to the Tet Offensive for the you know major combat going there. And things got really interesting during that period. And and uh, I was down the road just a, a piece from when uh, Colonel Ripley did his famous uh, thing at, at Dong Ha. Those who know, know that story will know that uh, he may have saved my life by <laughs> stopping the North Vietnamese Army from coming across that river and so forth. So. It was uh, it was an interesting times. We didn't know each other at the time, but as it turned out, years later, I worked for him here at the, at the academy. He was uh, heading history history department or the humanities division. Yeah, he was senior marine on the yard, mm-hmm. and we'll remind the audience that uh, his daughter is on our yep. team now. She's our CTO, yep. uh, Mary Ripley. 
Um, and, and Colonel Ripley is buried right outside the front of Beach Hall in the cemetery here at the Naval Academy. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, as Bill mentioned, you've been with the press for, uh, for a long time. Um, so, in fact, you and I have, have a history back in uh, 99, 2000 time frame. Um, I handed you the first four chapters of yep. what ultimately became Punk's War. Um, and I remember you said, I'm paraphrasing, uh, something like, uh, I like it, where's the rest? And I said, <laughs> I haven't written it yet. Uh, so based on yeah. your enthusiasm, um, I got motoring and, uh, and, and finished it up. I think I wrote 60,000 words between um, like Halloween and Valentine's Day. Wow. Um, so whatever I've managed as a novelist is due in large part to, uh, to your initial reaction to uh, the first half of the manuscript. And those were good days uh, when our good friend Ron Chambers uh, was mm-hmm. the, uh, the head of the press here. And, uh, you know, Susan Arjani was the head of the uh, PR team and Tom Harnish was doing the marketing of the press and uh, you were the acquisitions editor. Um, and, I happened to be living just out the side door of Beach Hall because um, I was teaching here at the Naval Academy, and so uh, it was really uh, heady stuff for a first-time novelist. Those were uh, very, very good times, and I think fondly of the support I got, and particularly your your support. Um, so, what what other um, besides the highlight that I've just pointed out uh, of, of my highlight? What are what are other high points in terms of authors you've worked with? Or titles that you've been um, been associated with. We can talk about the Blue Jackets manual in a second, because um, we you know we, we want to talk about Master Chief Kingsbury coming aboard here very soon, um, and how Pete Daly has uh, refocused the press uh, on some reference titles in a way that uh, uh, is core mission. Uh, back again, uh, and it includes the Blue Jackets manual. But uh, w- again, just like I just asked you about Vietnam. As you think about your time on the press side of the Naval Institute team, um, what what are some of the highlights? Well, the biggest highlight was working with Ward Carroll on the uh, <laughs> Punk's War. You but. read cue cards well, Tom. That's fantastic. <laughs> Save the watches. <laughs> but um, other, uh, one of the interesting things about this job is that, you know, I, I was a second-class gunner's mate and retired as a lieutenant commander, and now I, I, I work with admirals on a regular basis, and, and, and not just admirals. I mean, we have lots of different people come uh, bring manuscripts and books to us and so forth. But and You have immense but, power because yeah, you're the exactly, first gatekeeper. Right. Exactly. I mean, if you spike sure. it, it's done. That's it's never right. going to reach uh, that's right. anybody else. And so that's that's one of the factors. And then you also have to figure where they know whether you park your car and that sort of thing. But. Uh, <laughs> But uh, no, it, it's it's a it's a great thing. Um, you bring a lot of happiness to people when you publish their books. But the other side of that coin is that there's some unhappiness in that we we reject far more things than we accept. It's it's a real high bar if you can yeah. imagine. Uh, What's well, the nature of the business for one thing? Exactly. Any fledgling exactly. writer should understand that. But particularly here, um, since we're a sort of hybrid university press, but certainly a niche mm-hmm. press. Um, and we have a track record of pretty high quality stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we're not really looking for the next Tom Clancy or whomever. Um, so yeah, a lot of it's about rejection as a rejection based industry. Sure. Um, so any other sort of titles or people come to mind as you think about your, your time, your years here? Well, this is a good way to make enemies as well as friends. Cause if you don't mention their book, but, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, um, I, 
uh, I'm actually drawing a blank at the moment thinking of uh, but D Dan Oliver has done a, a book for us was was really interesting and, and we've had uh, uh, um, a whole lot of I'm literally drawing a blank at the moment. That's ridiculous. So let's talk about the basics of submitting a manuscript to to the press. So I'm I'm listening to this podcast or I'm watching us on Facebook Live, um, and I have an idea for a book or I have a book that I think would fit with the Naval Institute Press. What, what can I do to... Uh, bolster my chances, or what? What should I do right up front if I'm thinking of, of writing something? Well, graft and bribery usually help. But, uh, <laughs> Obviously, yeah. Payola is good. <laughs> exactly. No, uh, it's an interesting thing because, as an acquisitions editor, you really obtain books really from three different uh, venues. One is that you uh, you think of a book, something that should be written. And you go out and find an author to do it, and we, of course, we have at the institute tremendous web of contacts and people we know and that sort of thing so that makes the job uh, makes that feasible uh, the other one is that you uh, um, you contact former authors and you say what are you writing now and and that's but then the the other one that you're alluding to is where people send in their manuscripts and they say I've written this what do you think and at that point we uh, the first thing is uh, I will look at it as an acquisitions editor and say, gee, this looks like it's got potential or not. And then if it's got potential, then pass it around to other members of the staff. We all kind of evaluate, think what, what uh, uh, where the potential is. And, uh, and then the, the next step is to send it out to outside readers. And one of the marvelous things about this job is that there are so many wonderful people out there that you can contact, and we pay them a, just a pittance of amount of money and say, would you read this manuscript for us and tell us what you think? And, and of course, we pick people with the right credentials or experiences and that sort of thing. So they do it, and, and they will come back and provide valuable assistance in that. Uh, that if, if it weren't for that, we would be making the decisions here in, in the Institute alone, and I don't think it would have near the quality it does when you're able to expand your horizon like that. And so grateful for those people. It's really un unbelievable how much they contribute. So for a proceedings author, uh, you know, we get an article in from, you know, junior officer out in the fleet or some, you know, has an idea. Uh, we usually have three, two or three of our staff members read it, and then we send it to our editorial board if we like it as a feature article. Mm -hmm. uh, so for a book, how many people will, will lay eyes on a, on a book proposal? It depends a lot on the on the book. I mean, who the you know, if the author is someone that has a certain amount of credibility already, it, it takes less. Uh, you can kind of gauge these things that way. But but uh, it'll it'll be uh, half a dozen people at least, and sometimes many more. It just depends on how it's going. Sometimes we'll send things out. And we get you know, send it out to two people, and one of them loves it, and the other hates it. Well, then you have to make a decision based uh, on. We can't make a decision on that unless you're willing to uh, believe in one over the other. So we often will get tiebreakers and we'll send it to more people until we become. The bottom line is you want to be convinced that this is something that's going to be successful in one way or another. Um, um, we we re really produce two kinds of books here at the Institute. One we uh, are what we call mission books. These are ones that, that need to be published because they're important to the profession and, and uh, they have some relevance uh, of their own 
And the other one is we have to make some money. I mean, we have to be able to pay for the operation here, so we have to uh, come up with books that are people are going to buy. And, of course, that uh, that's a tricky business. You know, the, the old joke is, well, why don't you just uh, – uh, published bestsellers, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tom. Yeah, yeah exactly. So, uh, and, and you're playing crystal ball with this entire process, and uh, it's it's a challenge to say the least. And and sometimes we make it, and sometimes we fail miserably. But but that's, that's that, those are the goals. And some of your books, uh, a lot of them that are written by you personally, are books that hit on both of those uh, points, right? They're mm-hmm. they're mission books, but they're also books that make money because. Uh, the Naval Institute is the only place that, that publishes the Blue Jackets manual, sure. which goes to every new enlisted person in the Navy, right? Sure. Or yeah. the Marine Officer's Guide, or the Division Officer's Guide, or right. navigation textbooks. Yeah, th- that's become my area of, uh, of concentration. I mean, uh, when I first came here, I was doing history books and all sorts of things uh, as an acquisitions editor. But now, these days, I'm focused uh, almost entirely on uh, professional books. And which I'm very happy to do. It's, I think it's important, and I certainly enjoy doing it, and uh, so that's that's good. Um, What's well, your latest one? What's the one you're working on right now? The uh, We have the new edition of the Naval Officer's Guide coming out. We have the new edition of the Watch Officer's Guide. These are books that have been around for a long, long time. Uh, those are uh, in progress right now. Uh, we just recently published the second edition of the Chief Petty Officer's Guide, and that's we're really pleased with that because uh, the last one is, uh, had, had grown old and it was time to, to refurbish. And we've got Paul Kingsbury, who's a, a recently retired uh, Fleet Master Chief, who's done a, a wonderful job with that book. So we have high hopes for that. Yeah, we have said on the show before that uh, Paul was uh, coming aboard the team. Um, that's a franchise. That's the number one draft pick kind of a, 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 a acquisition. Absolutely. Um, so as Tom mentioned, uh, Master Chief Kingsbury was the uh, Fleet Forces Command Master Chief. Um, also a member of our editorial board and on our editorial board. Uh, mm-hmm. So he's you know he's family already yeah, and a proceedings author of the year a couple of years ago. Yep. So you know the the bouquets and accolades just keep coming for for Paul and we're super jazzed for him to be on the team here in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Um, you actually went to his retirement down aboard the uh, the uh, Lincoln was yes, it on it was. aboard yeah, Lincoln yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I know Pete Daly was there too. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Uh, you know, and he went out with uh, the the highest cred that you can have uh, as as a E nine. Um, so, um, if if we had any doubts about his qualifications after that retirement ceremony, there there were none. Believe me, the, the accolades coming from four stars and so forth was was pretty amazing. So uh, here on Facebook Live, Matt Stutzel Lippert said, "I still have my grandpa's 1940 Blue Jackets manual. A lot more info on that one than the one I earned in 1999." <laughs> so, what can we tell? Uh, Matt, about the current edition that, uh, that exists and, and one we might be modding in the near future. Well, you don't want to drop it on your foot. Let's start with that. It's, <laughs> this book is getting, <laughs> this book is getting heavier and bigger all the time. And and so we're talking Blue Jackets, man. Blue Jackets, man. Yeah. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, not the Chiefs. I'm not sorry, the Petty Officer, gears or Chief Petty Officer's guy. Because we'll talk about that in a second. I thought you'd shifted my gear. I did because that, because one of our our Facebook Live watchers here was talking about the Blue Jackets manual. Okay. Um. So. The current edition of the Blue Jackets manual is right. is what year? Uh, it, well, it just came out this past year. Okay, it's so it's a new edition. one. Edition. It's the 25th edition. edition. Yeah. 
And I want to be, go on the record that I've not been writing it the entire time. <laughs> it's been around since 1902. Well, in fact, when we talk to plebes during the summer, you break out the original Blue Jackets Manor, which right. came in a cool little pouch, right? Yep. yep. So they could fit their tobacco and other yep. contraband, right? And And, exactly. and so uh, it has morphed into the current thing. So what goes into editing a book like the Blue Jackets Manual? I just make it up as I go along. Okay. <laughs> no, it's... That's it's, one way. That's yeah, one way, right. No, um... One of the things I've found is this this is not a one person job. You know, my name's on the book, but that's that's uh symbolic I think as much as anything because I the way I do it is I go out to a wide net of people and ask them uh what's good about the current edition, what's bad about it, where do we go from here, what needs to be updated and that sort of thing and I get a all kinds of responses and I try to reach across the spectrum. The the majority of the people I deal with are enlisted people who are the ones that uh read it the most but i also have other other people that have the right credentials and so forth to provide the information so i get a tremendous amount of help and it's all voluntary it's 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 amazing when you think about it what people are willing to do because they they believe in the the mission as we call it so so how long does it take to to do an edition a new and like end to end uh well because it's a revision it takes less time i mean i can uh the biggest problem we have is that the thing is constantly evolving, and we sometimes I know more and finish something. Uh, uh, many of you will remember the uh, the ratings change in the Navy a while back, and we had just finished, were ready to publish, and all of a sudden the Navy completely changed the ratings thing. Went back and completely redid that, and then they turned around, changed their minds again, and we went back and redid again. So yeah, that was that like sep- September to December of yeah. 2016, uh, right? That was yeah. you know Richardson's. Uh, <laughs> I was welcome to the, right. the job so, uh, evolution. I was, was a busy that was guy. The beret. Yeah, that, that was the Navy's beret. Yeah. <laughs> the Army. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So that was fun. Yeah, but but it's it it it's uh, it, it can take a couple of years sometimes. Sometimes it can be a number of months. It just depends on what needs to be done and and uh, and what obstacles we encounter as we go along. So another project that the press and Tom I think you've been the the head of this or, and and came up with the idea is the the parents guide mm. which has been discussed a lot here in the staff is getting a lot of attention uh and uh, a lot of people are uh, are interested when whenever we put stacks of that out at um at events mm-hmm. they they tend to fly off the shelves and uh, as I think uh, Claire mentioned this morning that uh that the head of the Navy Recruiting Command was here mm-hmm. uh, last week or so to talk about the Navy wanting to buy more of these and how to get them in the hands of parents uh before even their their uh, young son or daughter heads off to uh Great Lakes you know or off to re- recruit uh, depot or off to uh, the Naval Academy or off to uh, OCS or something like that. So that, that that's a, a, a new product from the Naval Institute Press that's out there that's just doing really, really well. Yeah, well, first published in 2017. So where did the idea for this one come, Tom? Uh, yeah, it's not my idea. Um, <laughs> it was... Well, your uh, name's on the cover. Well, Admiral Daly's was the one who thought of that. And I had written a, a book uh, called... Uh, that. Uh, called Nav Civ Guide a while back that is actually kind of a Blue Jackets manual for um, civilians who work for the Navy Department. And uh, and from that, I then derived another book called The Citizen's Guide to the Navy. And the idea there was that people could buy this book and learn about their Navy. And unfortunately, very few have, bought, have uh, purchased it. Um, but Admiral Daly one day turned to me and said, 
take that citizen's guide and make it into a parent's guide, and then we'll uh, that'll serve a lot better purpose and so forth, and reach a target audience. And he's been absolutely right about that. Um, this book has been much more successful than either of those other two ideas that were mine. So uh, he he gets the credit for that. Yeah. So we promote that um, at uh, I Day here at the Naval Academy. Um, mm-hmm. As you said, uh, Admiral Daly just did a meeting with uh, with CNET um, and and Recruit Command to, to see if there are other sort of inflection points um, where that uh, that might be a, a popular title. Um, so that's pretty much our sweet spot, you know, in, in mm-hmm. terms of uh, a book that is a classic Naval Institute imprint. So how often do we think uh, uh, we would update the Parents Guide? Again, it just depends on what changes. Uh, sometimes these things last for a couple of years. Sometimes they last only months. It just depends on uh, what the changes are and how, how significant they are. Um, what we're happy that the recruiting command has shown some interest in this, and they have expressed an interest in helping us keep it updated, make sure that it reflects what they want and so forth. And that's the ideal combination. Absolutely. So really happy about if that. If the official DOD uh, points of contact are, are feeding us with the gouge, that, exactly. that makes uh, our job easier. Yeah. And I, uh, about a month ago, I went to a uh, strategy dis- discussion group in Arlington, which is a longstanding group that meets uh, every couple weeks or a month or so. And they get outside speakers. And so Admiral Burke, the head of uh, naval personnel, was there. Arlie Burke? Uh, I don't forget. Don't He's just so. Admiral to me. Uh, not, oh, not look Arlie. at you. The not good subordinate. <laughs> But Admiral Burke was there, and and uh, he was talking about uh, big changes in the in, in the recruiting process that are happening in the Navy, and how um, the, the number of recruiting stations uh, has diminished. Right, so they're mm-hmm. they're getting the brick and mortar is going away, uh, and recruiters are working a lot more uh, virtually, uh, and they go to people's homes or schools. Um, when it's time to close the deal. So a recruiter will get in his car and go actually meet with somebody when it's time to close the deal. And oftentimes that's a meeting with parents, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's almost as important or maybe more important to convince the parents that this is a good thing for their son or daughter who's already kind of on board with the idea, right? Uh, and so that the, the parents' guide might be a, a good thing that you know recruiters would have in their hands when they go to sign, you know, uh, close that deal. Well, speaking of that, have you seen the new ad campaign called "Today's Military" um, that they show during NFL games or whatever? It's a I, DoD initiative, um, very high gloss broadcast campaign ad campaign, and a pretty Gucci website for a DoD product, hmm. um, which is exactly that, trying to, to get to the parents to assuage fears and, and sort of give a sense of purpose to uh, a teenager's decision to join uh, the military. So uh, it's pretty interesting. There's a Navy version of that uh, as well. It's, it's kind of cool. Yeah, one thing we're also doing is uh, we don't want to be uh, too uh, service-specific here. We, we've got a... Um, Parents' Guide to the Marine Corps in progress right now. Uh, we've got a great team of, of writers working on that. And then uh, we're even looking at the possibility of expanding into the other services and providing the same kind of book there. We, uh, th- that's more of a glimmer of an idea at this point. But but the Marine Corps one is actually in progress right now and will be out uh, sometime in the future. Which is wholly appropriate since we're the form of the sea services, Absolutely. Navy, Marine Corps, Coast Guard. Sure. Um, so that that's right in our wheelhouse. Um, so let's go back to the Chief Petty Officer's Guide. Mm. We have an update on the streets. 
um, and uh, worked on by uh, by you and uh, Master Chief Kingsbury. Um, is this the first time in how many years that we've updated the uh, the Chief Petty Officer's Guide? Oh, it's been I think ten years or whatever. It, it uh, it's been long overdue. I've been I've been trying for years to get the right person. We've actually had a couple of uh, false starts on that and uh, and found we had to fall back and. Re- I mean, this happens sometimes. We you you think you've got the right combination going and then all of a sudden things don't sometimes people have changes to their lives they have to abandon projects yeah. and so forth anyway but yeah we we finally got this good and by the way it's it's mass chief kingsbury and a petty officer uh daniel richard who is uh, his co-author on this book uh, uh we brought him aboard he worked with me on the blue jackets man who's one of the key um contributors and helpers in that that project so i uh, recommended to paul that he bring uh uh petty officer daniel in as well and uh i'm sorry petty officer richard he he's got one of those names is both first names is hard to remember which is which <laughs> but at any rate uh but he's a terrific guy and and helped me tremendously and i know he's been a big help to paul as well so what are some of the biggest differences for the chief petty officers and the uh the uh e6s in the audience who are, are striking for chief petty officer um between the last edition and this one well, this one's more to the point. I think uh, the first one was it was a good start. It was the first time we'd ever uh, taken on a project like that, and I think that the uh, I I was able to get uh, retired uh, Master Chief Petty Officer of the Navy John Hagen to collaborate with another uh, gentleman, Jack Leahy, who had, had written a couple of other books for us uh, in the past. He was a kind of a professional writer with a, a definite naval bent, and they did a, a credible job at the time. Um, but uh, a lot of things have evolved. The you know the, the you have the fleet master chief program and the uh, the force master chiefs and all these different things and and things have gotten more complex and and um, a shift in emphasis on some of the the leadership aspects and that sort of thing. So the the new book is much more uh, in tune with what's going on in, in that community now than than the previous one uh, wound up. Um, any other highlights? Uh, we're, we're running out of time here. Any other highlights from the press titles that are forthcoming that uh, we want the folks to know about? Well, we're we're always looking for new authors, um, and and I mean sincerely, if you have an I someone out there has wants to write a professional book, contact me. We'll see if, if there's something along those lines. We we're looking at a whole lot of different ideas. We've got the uh, uh, we want to do a book on damage control. We think that that's a pretty apt subject for these days uh and we're kind of putting together a team on that and uh we just a whole whole lot of ideas and and lots of uh want to link up people for those ideas so looking for that yeah i'd just like to highlight the uh the new issue of uh, naval history is out uh the december issue december 2018 it's uh, uh the title article is taking charge at tarawa but um tom uh cutler writes the blue jackets manual uh, column every uh, every uh, issue of uh, naval history. He also writes a lot of the lest we forgets in proceedings, mm-hmm. which are you know great reminiscences of naval leaders and people and battles and things that you know happened uh, that were covered in proceedings over the years. So right. those are two really great columns. Always a quick read, but also just very informative. You learn something that you either didn't know or forgot long ago, or you know, wished you had known before you read it. So great yeah. stuff, Tom. Thanks for writing this for us. Sure. My pleasure. Um, so, again, thanks for coming on the show, Tom. Um, 
you know, we, we like to highlight teammates uh, from time to time and things we're doing in-house as well as have guests like Mullen and Lehman and people like that. Um, evidence of just the, the, you know, the staff here really is composed of, of uh, super talented folks and in some cases Navy icons. Um, so if you're in the greater Annapolis area and you want to uh, come on by um, and say hello, please do so. Um, Tom's generally here during the workday, unless he's mm-hmm. out uh, training for a marathon or something else like that. <laughs> right. Um, so, Tom, thanks for coming by. Thanks for your years of friendship, and it's sure. a pleasure to uh, be a colleague of yours. Now, it's uh, it's my my gift. Um, Thank you. So, anybody, uh, that's it for this week's show. Um, as always, when we sign off, we say victory begins at the Naval Institute. We'll see you next week.